We're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter 26. The book of Acts in chapter 26, a couple of weeks ago, we talked a little bit about uh, evangelism. We've been talking about uh, some uh, spiritual gifts and, and how we should be using them on, on Wednesday nights. And so we're going to, we're going to do, continue to study in evangelism. And uh, we talked about uh, some things, excuses that people use on why they don't evangelize. Why, why we don't tell other people about Jesus. And uh, today, at, uh, not today, yesterday at lunch, uh, me and a colleague of mine at school was talking about uh, just a little bit about evangelism. And he asked me, he said, when is the last time that you asked somebody if they knew Jesus? And, uh, and whenever we talk about evangelism, that's, that's what we're talking about, sharing our testimony uh, sharing our faith, not browbeating somebody over the top of the head, just uh, just just living the life that Christ asks us to, and, and He asks us to be a witness. He asks us to carry His word. He asks us to be a light that uh, that the others might see Christ in us. And uh, and that word kind of hit me hard. And, and I told him, I said, "Well, uh, uh, Sunday at church, I asked two people if if they were saved." He said, "Yeah, but church don't count." He said, "Outside of church, when's the last time you asked somebody if they knew Jesus?" And I said, well, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm thoroughly embarrassed by my answer. He said, what's your answer? I said, I don't remember. I, I, I said, I, I don't remember. Because as far as asking a stranger goes, uh, I, before I got to COVID, I was uh, checking out a tractor supply, and one of my former students was there. We was talking as I was checking out, and, uh, and we got off on church somehow or another, and I asked him if he went anywhere, and he said no, and I asked him if he was saved, and, and he said yes, and, and he told me his testimony, and we stood there and talked a minute, but that was, shoot, that was three weeks ago. And since then, to the best of my knowledge, outside of the church setting, uh, I, I hadn't asked anybody point blank if they knew Jesus. Uh, and that is part of evangelism, asking people, talking to people about the Word of God. Uh, but that is only a, a part of it. That's only a piece of it. And if we're honest with ourselves, none of us succeed uh, where we should. Uh, and there's not a set bar. There's not a number of people uh, that we need to reach. There's not a quota that we should make. Uh, we're, we're asked, or commanded rather, to be a witness. And that's what God expects of us. And if we're not a witness as far as living our life goes every single day, all day, then we fail. If, if we don't take opportunities that God set before us, uh, to be a witness, to be a light, to, to try to reach somebody, then we have failed. And, and the more that, that I look back, and I, I'm sure the more you look back, we can see opportunities that we have missed. Uh, and that, that question that, that he asked me really hit home with me because it, it, it shined a light on opportunities that I had that day. Uh, and so yesterday afternoon after we talked, I said, I said well, the, the guy that was in here 10 minutes ago I consider him a friend, and, and I've never asked him if he knew Jesus. So I went and found his classroom, and, and I asked him, and, and he told gave me his testimony, and we sat in there and talked for almost an hour. And he said, you know, you're the first person to ever ask me this. He said, nobody has ever asked me if he, he was saved as a little kid. And he said, since he got saved, he, he was saved up in Jackson, Mississippi. And he said he's never been back to church. That was when he was living at home. And since he left home, he said he'd never been back to church. And Gosh, he's probably in his 60s. He said nobody has ever asked him since if, if he knew Jesus. And that kind of shines a light on, on how much we are failures as Christians. 
Uh, we're going to read in Acts in chapter 26. Uh, it's going to be kind of a lengthy reading tonight. We're going to break it up just a little bit. Uh, but I want to read the entire chapter. Uh, this is Paul standing before Agrippa. Uh, <laughs> Paul found himself in, in what we would consider to be a sticky situation. Uh, but before we get started, I want to read you a quote from an evangelist that lived back in the 1800s. Uh, evangelism was a little bit different back then, uh, but his name was D.L. Moody. Uh, you recognize the name. Uh, he's, he wrote a lot of books. There's a lot of quotes by him, but this one kind of struck home with me. He said that it's not the work of men to make men believe. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't make someone become a Christian. We can't make someone uh, trust in God. We can't make someone come to church. We can't make someone accept Jesus. We can't make someone turn their life around. That is not our job. That's not what we're here for. That's not what evangelism is about. We are to present Christ to the world. And God does the work. Acts in chapter 26, verse 1, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer thee for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation in Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise are the twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be a thought? Excuse me. Why should it be thought? A thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which I did in Jerusalem. And many saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. Being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even into strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them that journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. But rise and stand on thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I will send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith in me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight. God, we thank you for the incredible story that we have here. God, the record of Paul. 
God, I pray that you'd help us that we could take from this story, God, that we could become greater evangelists for you. God, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the testimony that we have, of the hope that we have in you. God, but that we could be that light, that we could be the witness that we're called to be in our everyday life. God, that in some small way, some lost soul might see Christ through us. God, help us that we would never do or say anything that would bring shame or reproach upon your holy name. God, that we could do all things to honor and to glorify you. God, not for our honor and glory ever. God, forgive us for we fail you. Thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I love how Paul started out his conversation here. He's standing before Agrippa and he's, he's been accused of, of all these things. And he stands here and he said, I think myself happy. If, if you read the books that Paul wrote, he has an interesting way of writing, an interesting way of talking, sometimes a little bit sarcastic, but it's always something that, that the common man can understand, that common everyday people can, can relate to. Evangelism means sharing our testimony. And that, that includes a lot of things. Here Paul begins with his testimony. We may not think it whenever we read verses 3 down through about verse 9. But Paul is telling these people where he came from. Paul is telling Agrippa and the ones that he's standing before here exactly who he was. I think they knew already, but he's telling them. Whenever we share our testimony with other people, there is a life change that happens within us from whenever we're saved. And if you're saved as an adult, then there is an obvious and compelling change in your life. Even if you're a churchgoer, things change whenever you get saved. There's a little bit brighter of a smile. There's a little bit more of a want to, a little bit greater of a zeal to go to church and to read our Bibles. Even if we're saved and brought out of the gutters of sin, that testimony is what reaches other people. If you're saved as a kid, then God has lived in your heart since that age, and you have a great testimony to tell other people. But we are terrified and absolutely scared to death to share it. Here Paul began his testimony. He said, I think myself happy and I still answer for myself this day he said he was happy to be able to answer for himself because he wasn't just answering simple questions because he was able to, to literally testify to give his testimony to give his account of Jesus Christ to give his account of the transformation that God made in his life before Agrippa and the ones that stood with him because he had the opportunity to show them the before and the after if you've ever watched the, the, the HGTV or the, the TV shows and me and my wife went up to Laurel, Mississippi and what's that one called? Hometown. I think it's Hometown. And we saw some of the houses that they redid and it was absolutely gorgeous. My favorite part of the, the TV shows that redoes, how, that redoes houses is the before and after pictures. The in the middle don't mean much because a lot of that is doctored and it's fake. But the before and after pictures are, are real and they're beautiful. To be able to see the transformation that happened from, from where they started to where they finished is incredible because it took a lot of work. It took a lot of effort. It took a really, really big change to get to that point. Whenever someone is saved, there's a really, really big change that happens. There's a really big change that comes upon their life. Even whenever someone turns their life back to Christ, even after they're saved, we can wander away. And whenever we turn our life back to Christ, then a big change happens. And the before and after is an incredible picture. And it is an incredible tool that we can use as evangelists. To be able to tell somebody where God brought us from. 
I use the story all the time. It is one of my favorite in the Bible is about the demoniac. And I talked about it Sunday. The, the change that the people in the community, in the country saw in him was so incredible that they went from the point that they ran Jesus off to the next time they begged him to show back up. They said that they were standing on the shore waiting on him because they saw the difference that the man made. They saw the difference that Jesus made in the man's life. They saw him going from running around naked in the cemeteries, breaking chains and cutting himself to, to in his right mind. No doubt speaking English, telling people what Jesus did for him. And I believe it had a tremendous impact on everyone around him. And it's evident by the story we read in the Bible. Here Paul started out by telling them exactly where he used to be. Sharing our testimony don't just include, well, I was sitting on the bench and, and I prayed a prayer and boom, I was saved. That is not a testimony. That is an account of what happened. But our testimony goes so much further beyond that. It's sharing good news. And good news is, means that, that I was lost and now I'm found. Good news means that, that my life was missing something. That I was dead. That I was in chains. Chris Tomlin wrote the song, The, the Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. and It's a beautiful song. My, my brothers and I sang it when it first came out. and uh, I think it's an amazing twist on a, a beautiful song. But it says, uh, My chains are gone. I've been set free. And that just adds to the beauty of the song, Amazing Grace. Because that's where we were as sinners. We were, we were chained. We were restricted. We were without the love of God. We were without Jesus. There was something missing in our life. And whenever we give our testimony, we need to be very careful not to, to discredit that part of it. Because that is part of it. Whenever we move beyond that... <clears throat> Paul mentions Paul mentions his experience with Jesus. No two testimonies are the exact same. <clears throat> it's like a fingerprint. Everybody's is a little bit different and if I try as hard as I possibly can to match somebody else's then I'm wrong. God saved me different than he saved everybody else because I'm a different person. I'm a different case. Jesus died for all, but everyone has to come on their own terms to God. We have to come and surrender in my heart. I can't pray the same prayer that Brother Ed prays and expect God to save me because then I'm, I'm piggybacking off of his coattail. God said to, to come. The song says, just as I am. The Bible says, believe in. It don't say praying what somebody else told me to pray. The Bible says believing. So whenever we testify, whenever we tell other people about our salvation experience, let's be very careful not to try to twist it and turn it to match a, a story, to match a fairy tale, to match someone else's testimony, to try to sound better. To, uh, one thing about uh, talking to other people and having a conversation is that if you are not genuine, you can tell. Other people can tell as well. Whenever we start spinning the yarn, people can catch that. Especially people that's been around the public. That's been around kids. It's easy to catch. Here Paul gave them his testimony and he was very detailed. He didn't sell God short. He didn't sell Jesus short. He told him exactly what happened. He said, At midday I saw a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. 
And he said, I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Even in his testimony, Paul was, was being honest. He was telling them, hey, this is who I was. I locked them up. I persecuted the saints. Whenever they were killed, they laid their clothes at my feet and I raised my voice against them. But he said one day it all changed. And he told him about he told Agrippa here and the people that was with him. He told him exactly what happened. He didn't sugarcoat it. But he didn't sell God short. We continue on down in verse 19. It says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but show first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and in the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day. Here we go. Witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Regardless of what came Paul's way, and you can read about all the challenges that he faced, he still witnessed. He still tried to be a help to small and to great. There's not a person that's outside of God's reach. There's not a person that can't be saved. There's not a person that Jesus can't change. And we all believe that from the bottom of our heart. And if we do, that means there's not a person that we shouldn't, that we shouldn't witness to. There's not a person that we shouldn't try to talk to God about. There's not a person that we shouldn't tell about Jesus. If we think that somebody's too far to save, then our faith is lacking. If we think that somebody is too bad off to deserve Christ, then our faith is lacking. If we think that, that, that we're okay, we don't need to witness to Him, we witnessed to somebody yesterday. And we're in bad shape. Paul said he was all about witnessing. The Bible says to be ready always to give an answer. Verse 23 says that Christ should suffer. And that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And thus he spake for himself, and Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. And this thing was not done in a corner. After Paul gives him his experience, he introduces him to Jesus. He tells him there in verse 23 that Christ suffered and died. Said that he rose from the dead to show light unto the people. They called him mad. They called him crazy. Paul was not there to get results. Paul was there following the following the teachings of Christ. Paul was there being obedient to God. Paul wasn't there to make people believe. He was there to introduce them to Jesus. Amen. After he told them where he came from, 
He told them what Jesus did for him. He introduced them to Christ. And he told him. He said, he said, my word, paraphrasing, he said, you're not a dummy. He said, you know that this has happened. Jesus is the most recognized name on the planet to this day. 2,000 years old, 2,000 years since he raised from the dead, still the most recognized name on the planet. The Bible is the most printed book on the planet. People may not know in depth what the book of Matthew says, but people understand whenever you talk about Jesus that it's something special, that it's something different. That is something that's not like talking about Shania Twain or Alan Jackson. It's not talking about Kanye West or Donald Trump. It's talking about somebody that is just a little bit different. The things weren't done in the corner. It wasn't done in the shadows. He asked King Agrippa. He said, King Agrippa, believe us out of prophets. I know thou believest. And King Agrippa said to him famous words. He said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul's job wasn't to persuade him. Paul's job was to introduce him to Christ. I hope at some point in time King Agrippa was fully persuaded. We don't have record of it in the Bible. We have record of him coming close. But Paul did what he could. He gave him his testimony. He introduced him to Jesus and he asked him, he said, King Agrippa, believe us out of prophets. He said, I know you do. Believing in the prophets wasn't going to get him to heaven. And he knew this. He said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and all together such as I am, except these bonds, completely and totally sold out for Christ. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice sat with them. And they were going aside. They talked between themselves, saying, This man has done nothing worthy of death or bonds. All he did was preach Jesus. That's all he did. Paul suffered. Paul eventually died for being a witness of Christ. But Paul didn't stop. Paul didn't slow down. Paul didn't shy away from it. It said that he would have been released if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. He would have been turned loose, sent home. But Paul's job wasn't finished. He had other people he needed to witness to. It said he would have been set at liberty if he had not appealed to Caesar. Paul gave these people his testimony. He gave them everything he had. I, I have a written down... Some things that I'd come up with and with the help of some other people. And I call it testimony tips because it makes sense. But the first one in there is seven of them because uh, seven's a really good number. It says that no two are the exact same and we talked about that. The second testimony tip is to avoid cliches. And we know what these are is, is words like being saved. And being lost. We've talked several times about the world not knowing right and wrong according to God's standards. Because they play from a different rule book. 
They don't know the Bible. They don't understand the Bible. And a lot of times these words, such as, as being saved and being lost and sin, people don't quite get. Whenever we give our testimony, especially to people that we know aren't church people, it's always a, a little bit easier to use words that they'll understand. We're all sinners, but we all mess up. Everybody understands that. We all do wrong. And the price for this, the judgment for this, the punishment for this is death. And I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just, just trying to help out with the evangelistic process. The third one is not to criticize other religions. The quickest thing that can turn somebody off from converting to being a Christian is you running down the religion that their mama belongs to. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Don't get me wrong, I don't believe that the, that the Pentecostal religion is the right religion founded by Christ. I don't believe that the Catholic religion is the right religion founded by Christ. But if I'm trying to tell someone about Jesus and I run down their religion, they ain't going to pay no attention to me. It's going to turn them off right there. And they're done. And I may never be able to reach them again. The fourth one is to avoid controversial topics that may come up in their life and their family. Whenever we're talking to people about Christ, everybody at this point, I say everybody, the majority of people have people in their life that are divorced and remarried multiple times. Homosexuality is rampant. Drugs and alcohol affect the majority of families in the world. But whenever we're telling people about Christ, none of that matters. God can save a person that's been living in sin all of their life. God can save a person that claims that they're a homosexual. God can save a person that's been hooked on drugs for the last 50 years. God can save an alcoholic. None of them is unreachable. And if we think they are, we need to check up on our faith. So whenever we're giving our testimony, whenever we're talking to other people about Christ, don't run them down. Every saint has a past. Paul here told them about his. But every sinner has a future. Number five is keep it warm and personal. Don't preach. People, in, especially in hospitals, but it happens at funeral homes, they see someone in a shirt and tie and a coat and they go the other direction because they think if they get in a conversation with a preacher, they're going to get beat over the head with a Bible. And a lot of people are like that, not just preachers. A lot of church people are like that. Whenever it comes to, to telling somebody about Jesus, they, they want to whoop on them with the Bible. And for some people, that may work. But for the majority of people, being, being warm and personable, being friendly, telling them that you love them, what's that they say about, about honey? Being nice, showing Christ's love, goes a whole lot further than just, just hounding on them with the Bible. Number six, don't bore people with details. I don't have to tell y'all, most of you as raised kids, how long is the average attention span for people? We'll say a 20-year-old. How long is their average attention span? I teach high school, my wife teaches elementary. Their attention span is about 60 
70, maybe even 80 seconds. Most of the time they say to take your age in minutes. And that is the average attention span of people. But the reality of it is, is our attention span, if we're not hooked, is about five to ten minutes. If we're not absolutely sold out to the subject that they're talking about, our attention span is very, very short. And so if we're telling somebody about Christ and, and we go on and on with details and we tell them our whole life story just to get around to our testimony. By the time we get to Jesus, they have tuned out. They're sitting there like most husbands do. Yes, honey. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Not a clue in the world what they said. They got the nod going on. It's very, very easy to... to I hate to use the word to bore people, but it is. So whenever we're giving our testimony short and sweet and to the point. Here, Paul, we, we read about what we assume to be his entire conversation. And even with pausing and, and stopping and taking a break, we can read through the entire chapter in less than six minutes. So we assume that the conversation that Paul made, again, even with pausing and walking around, took him less than ten minutes to make. If we're going to give our testimony and share our testimony and share Christ with people, keeping it under ten minutes is a really good place to start. And if, they're, if they have questions, if they have problems, if they continue the conversation, great and wonderful. If they, if they don't, then we planted the seed. We introduced them to Christ. We did our job. Let's let God and the Holy Spirit do the rest. And number seven, if you would turn with me to 2 Timothy in chapter 3. Number seven is to, to cite Scripture. 2 Timothy in chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for correction for instruction in righteousness. Excuse me. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All good works includes being an evangelist. All good works includes sharing our testimony. All good works includes trying to reach people for Christ. And it says with the, with the Scripture. All Scripture, we are thoroughly furnished. The Word of God is powerful, is it not? The Word of God can do things that, that I can't. We're not required to be of eloquent speech. We're required to introduce them to Christ. And what better way to do that? Than... What's the first verse that we all learn in Bible school? It's John 3.16. The verse of the evangelist. The Romans wrote in Romans in chapter 10. All useful. I have... Some of these pages, I'm going to read some of it to you. They're on, on the table in the back if you would like a few of them. It's a page I found about evangelistic myths, uh, things that we assume falls under evangelism, and then it has in the column next to it the absolute truth. I'm only going to read a few of these to you, and then we're going to close. The first evangelism myth, and these three go together, is, is one that it's the pastor's job. Two is that witnessing is an activity we must do together. And three is I prefer to let my life do the talking. That's great. That's wonderful. It is the pastor's job to be an evangelist. Witnessing is an activity. And our life should speak volumes. But evangelism is more than that. 
the Bible says to always be prepared to give an answer. And if we are always prepared to be to give an answer, then we should eventually give an answer, right? The truth is that it's the job description of every disciple, of every Christian to be an evangelist. That witnessing should be a way of life, not an activity to participate in. And that at some point we need to add words to our good deeds. Humble attitude and love in life. There are several more. It's, it's a really good uh, a reference material that I found. Uh, if you would like one, like I said, there's plenty on the table out back. Uh, I, I would just like to encourage everyone and uh, challenge everyone, including myself, to at some point in time this week, even between now and next Wednesday night, outside of church, to ask somebody about Jesus. Ask them if they know Him. If they don't, introduce them to Him. It may change your life. It will definitely change theirs. Draw you closer to God. Introduce them to Jesus that loves them. And we'll be fulfilling part of our duty as evangelists. Don't get me wrong. That should exponentially increase in number. So if we ask one this week, we should ask six the next week. And then 36 the following week. And however that adds up math-wise, that number should increase. We should continue to be evangelists. We should continue to witness for Christ. Not because it's something that we have to do. It should be something that we want to do. We have good news to share. We have good news in a midst of a world that is, is nothing but bad news. In a year that seems like has been terrible news. Let's all share the good news. The great news. Let's share Christ with a world that needs Him. Oh, have a verse of a song.